0: Welcome to the Frederick Seventh Day Adventist Church Podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. Now, here's Robert Quintana with part six of the Divine Trifecta. I'd like to read a little story that I stumbled upon a few years ago. And it starts off by saying the whole town had gathered in the courthouse for the trial. The prosecuting attorney called his first witness, an elderly woman, to the stand. He approached her and asked, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? She responded, why yes, I do know you, Mr. Williams. I've known you since you were a young boy. And frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. You lie, you cheat on your wife, You manipulate people and talk about them behind their backs. You think you're a rising big shot, but you haven't the brains to realize you were never amount to anything more than a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, I know you. The lawyer was stunned. Not knowing what else to do, he pointed across the room and asked, Mrs. Jones, do you know the defense attorney? She replied, Wow, of course I do. I've known Mr. Bradley since he was a youngster too. I used to babysit him. And he too has been a real disappointment to me. He's lazy, bigoted, and has a drinking problem. The man can't build a normal relationship with anyone. And his law practice is one of the shadiest in the entire state. Yes, I know him. At this point the judge raped the courtroom to silence and called both counselors to the bench. In a very quiet voice, he said with menace, if either of you ask her if she knows me, I'll hold both of you in contempt of court. I wonder what Mrs. Jones would say about you. I don't need to think very hard or very long to know what Mrs. Jones would say about me. The truth is we're all sinners. The truth is we've all fallen short of the glory of God. The truth is that the Bible tells us that even our righteous deeds are like filthy rags We are all sinners. There is an awesome line in a movie entitled Amazing Grace where he's asked a question and he says, I don't know much. There's only two things that I know in life. One is that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short. Every one of us has sin in our lives, some are secret, some we are so ashamed of that we would never dare share with anyone. Some are known. Our spouses know what those sins are, right? Our children know what those sins are. Some of the sin in our lives is secret. Some of the sin in our lives is known to the community. But the truth is that we're all sinners, We all come here today from all different walks of life. Uh, Some of us had a privileged home, privileged upbringing according to this world's standards. we, We had it all and some of us grew up struggling day after day, week after week to make ends meet. Some of us here today grew up in a household where a devotional was a tradition. Every day you woke up to a devotional. Dad was the spiritual leader of the home. And some of us grew up in a home where God was not a priority, where God was far, far away. And some of us here have been abused growing up. Some of us had everything growing up. Some of us had an opportunity to go to school and get an education. Some of us, we dropped out of high school and we've been struggling ever since. We all come from different walks of life. We represent so many different parts of this country. And really, we represent many parts of this world. And some of us like spicy food, some of us like mild food, some prefer chocolate, others vanilla. We come from different walks of life, but the truth is that when you peel back the superficial differences, we are all the same. We are all sinners in need of God's grace. And that is why I'm excited about today's message, because when we look at Jesus Christ, there is something so beautiful that we learn about who this Jesus is. And so I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter nine. Matthew chapter nine. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. Matthew chapter nine. If you did not bring a Bible with you today, you can reach in front of you and grab one there in front of the pew. Matthew chapter nine, We're going to start with verse 1, Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic now, Let me just remind you, Mark and Luke gives us a little more detail as to what's going on. You may not have put two and two together yet, but this is a story of when Jesus was in the house and the house was all crowded with people. And the four friends are bringing their friend, the paralytic, lying in bed and they can't get into the house Does this ring a bell? Do you remember this? And so there wasn't any way into the house. And so they went up and onto the roof and they took pieces off the roof and then they lowered him down. Maybe you remember the story now, Matthew chapter nine here, it says that Jesus crossed over and came to his own city and behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed when Jesus saw their faith. I like that. Because a lot of times in Scripture, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. But here we get a different different aspect. Jesus is saying their faith, your faith, as a group, as a group of believers, your faith is at work here. Whether it's your, your family group, whether it's a small Bible study or a small Sabbath school class, Maybe it's a small student body that that students, that get together and say, you know, we're going to do something for our campus. It says here that when Jesus saw their faith, their collective faith, it says he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Now, I want you to just think on those words For a few seconds. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. I want you to think of what Mrs. Jones would say. I want you to think of all your sins, all of them. I want you to think about the ones that you committed when you were in high school. I want you to think about the ones you committed in college. For some of you, I want you to think of the ones you committed in the 60s. I want you to think of all your sins, the ones that you committed five years ago. Some of you are laughing a little bit longer than I I thought. You're you're really connecting with that. (laughs) I want you to think about the sins that you committed five years ago, a year ago, last week. Yesterday, maybe this morning. I want you to think of all those sins, and I want you to hear the words of Jesus to you: Your sins are forgiven. You. Do you remember part five? I had a washer up here, a Maytag washer. And I talked about that if you are in Christ, there is what? No condemnation. If you are in Christ, if you are in the wash, there is no condemnation. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have to go through a few cycles, right? Some of us need to go through many cycles. Some of us need to go through a thousand cycles, Some of us will be going through the wash for the rest of our lives. But if you are in the wash, if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. And Jesus says to you here this morning, your sins are forgiven. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Let's continue the story. Verse 3. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves... This man blasphemies. Who does he think he is? Well, we discovered already earlier in this series that Jesus is God. That's who he is. He's God. But the scribes, the Pharisees, they were up in arms. Who does he think he is? Th- does he not know that only God has the power? That only God has the authority to forgive sins? How dare he put himself in the place of God? But there they were, in the very presence of God Himself. This man blasphemes. Verse 4 But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise? And walk. Now, much easier to say your sins are forgiven because there's no way of proving that that person's sins have been forgiven. Right? I can say, Ivan, your sins are forgiven. There's no way of proving it. But if I walk up to a paralytic man or a blind man or someone who can't walk or someone that can't speak and I say to that person, arise and walk, uh oh. Now something needs to happen. Either the eyes need to open, the mouth needs to start speaking, or that crippled man needs to get up and walk. And so he sets him up. He puts the Pharisees and the scribes there up against the wall, and he asks them this question, what's easier, to say that your sins are forgiven or to say, arise and walk? I can't help but to think that there might have been some of those scribes, Pharisees there, thinking to themselves, what do we say? Because if we say, arise and walk, and he heals this man, we lose all credibility. The Bible doesn't say if they responded or not. I don't know how long between verse um, 5 and 6... It could have been an awkward minute, two minutes. Jesus might have just continued on. For which is easier, verse five, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say arise and walk. But that you may know, Jesus says, but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And guess what happens? Verse seven, and he arose and departed to his house. Now, when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. Did you catch it? Did you see what I want you to know about Jesus here today? Did you see that? Did you see it there in verse 6? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power. Power to do what? Power on earth to forgive sins. I want you to think about what Mrs. Jones would say about you. I want you to think about all those sins in your life. And I want you to understand here today that Jesus Christ has the power. He has the authority. He has the right to forgive you of your sins. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't stuff in our lives that still needs tweaking That doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle. That doesn't mean that we're not going to have our ups and downs and that we're going to struggle. That doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. What it does mean is that you are justified of your sins. If you are in Christ, there is no condemnation for those sins. You are forgiven. You are set free. You are cleansed. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to First John, let's let's try and, and and put some meat on this message. First John, chapter one. Uh, many of you have read this passage uh, many times before, and we're going to just read a few verses before and a couple of verses after what we traditionally read because I think it really adds a lot uh, to the passage. L- look what's happened. I, I turn to this to this passage so much that, that I've worn out the page and it's falling off. And so I need to do a little Bible repair here. And I just want to share with you, this really works. If you're struggling with this, like if you have a page that kind of falls off like this, um, what you can do is get some scotch tape and just line it up. Just put it down the middle and then crease it. And it works. It really does. You can prolong the life of your Bible this way. All right. But uh, here we are. First John chapter one, starting with verse five. First John chapter one, starting with verse five. This is what it says. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness. Now, it's a little bit up in the air as to who John is referring to here. Some say that it's God the Father. Others say that it's God the Son. We really don't know. It can go either way. Now, I'm going to tell you my thoughts, my idea, all right? I kind of lean towards God the Son, And the reason why I lean towards God the Son is because John wrote First John. John also wrote the Gospel of John. And this is what he starts off the Gospel of John with. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And it says here in verse 5, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. And so when we read in 1 John starting with verse 5, it says in this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That's really the reason why I kind of lean towards thinking that it's God the sun, Because he refers to Jesus in other parts of his work as that being Christ. Now, there's other parts in scripture that refer to God as being light, consuming fire. So, either way, but it's nothing to get hung up on. Because it's not the point of what we're getting to. Just thought I'd explain that to you. Verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from 50% of our sin. You guys following along? You listening? You always got to check me. Always check what I say with the word of God. All right, let me read it again. I apologize. It says here that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from 90% of our sin. Thank you, amen. From 99.9, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. 100% 100% all sin. My friends, that is good news. That That is freeing news. You can leave here today with the assurance that in Christ there is no condemnation and that in Christ you have been forgiven of all your sins. Let's continue reading because it, it's good stuff. It gets really good. It says here in verse 8, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Do you know anybody like that that's never wrong? Do you have anybody in your life that never admits when they're wrong? It's kind of frustrating, isn't it? Because you see it, everyone else sees it, but they don't see it, right? And they deceive themselves. It's important to be honest with yourself and with one another, you know, when you meet someone who's vulnerable, when you meet someone who's willing to share and say, man, this is something that I struggle with, isn't it so refreshing? I mean, it's such a, a sense you just go, oh man, they're, they're just so real. They're just so honest, right? It's important for us to understand and know we're all sinners, We all sin. We all make mistakes. Even in marriage, even in the family, even in the church, we mess up. And it's important for us to admit when we mess up. We can't have this attitude that says, oh, no, 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 no. I can't admit when I'm wrong because I don't want to give them the upper hand. You know, I need to be in control here. If I admit that I did something wrong, then all of a sudden I'm, there, there's a shift of power. No, we can't think that way. If we have done something wrong, that we need to, then we need to take ownership of it. We need to admit it. We need to go before God. We need to go before the person that we've offended. And we're going to cover that here in just a second. And just say, I'm sorry, I wronged you. I did something I wasn't supposed to. I said something that I shouldn't have said. Will you please forgive me? I'm sorry, I apologize. Let's move on. See, there's something interesting and very sad that happens in relationships where couples or friends don't apologize to one another. When you wrong someone and you don't ask for forgiveness, what happens is, is that that wrong that you committed kind of stays there. And what happens is it just kind of festers and it grows and then it turns into resentment and then it turns into anger. And that's why it's important for us to be able to admit when we do something wrong and just say, I messed up. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Please help me to never do that again. God, please help me to never do that again and just move on from that mistake that wrong, that sin. It's important to do that. Don't buy into the lies that say, oh, you're giving up your power. Oh, you don't want them to have the upper hand. Don't buy into that. It's important to be honest with not only yourself, but with one another. And here in verse eight, it says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And there it is again, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, folks, you need to understand how inclusive this is when he says here, if we confess our sins, you need to understand how inclusive this is of all kinds of sin, known sin, acted on sin, sin that you did intentionally, sin that was unintentional sin that you're unaware of. In other words, you don't need to leave this place here today and say, oh my goodness, I need to start making a checklist of all the sins and make sure that I confess them in order so that I can get forgiveness for them. No, 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 no. There are times when the Holy Spirit will convict you of a particular sin and you can go before God with that particular sin and you can name that sin by name before God and say, God, forgive me. I have sinned against you Please forgive me. And you will receive forgiveness. You will receive a cleansing. But there are times in life where there are sins that happen that we're unaware of. And it's okay to go before God and say, God, I'm sure that I've sinned. I'm sure that I have done something that has offended you. I'm unaware of it. God, please forgive me for that. Did you know that when you look at the Old Testament sanctuary... And you will remember that the sanctuary was put in place for the people of Israel and even for us here today, really, to understand the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It was put there for us to understand the enormity, the, the, the bigness, the awesomeness of what Christ did on the cross for us. And did you know that in the Old Testament, in the sanctuary service, there were different sacrifices— Required for different sins. And did you know that those sacrifices covered every sin imaginable? Every sin imaginable. There wasn't one sin too big or too small. There was a provision made for the forgiveness of every kind of sin. And you may be someone here today who's struggling. Has God really forgiven me for that? I mean, that was a pretty big sin. or You may be struggling with a lifelong of sins. I remember when I met with that gentleman in the hospital who was dying. They'd only given him a few days to, to live and he was struggling and he said, oh, God can't forgive me. I've done so much in my life and, and that was my first hospital visit as a pastor ever and I remember racking my brains and trying to figure out what do I say, what do I say. I took him to this verse and if you confess your sins, he will forgive you of your sins. So don't buy into the lie that Satan says, oh, that's a little too big for God to handle. Don't buy into the sin that, oh, no, you've committed that sin way too many times. You really think God's gonna forgive you again and again and again and again for that? No. Through Jesus Christ and through his sacrifice, there is a provision for every sin imaginable. And through him, we can find forgiveness. And this is what it says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sinned, We have an advocate, a mediator, an intercessor with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So here you are in Christ. And in that relationship with him, you find forgiveness for your sins. Your big sins, your little sins, your few sins, your many sins, you find forgiveness forgiveness. You find justification for your sins. I think it's beautiful how John kind of alludes here to the whole process of justification versus sanctification. Because John understands that just because you give your life over to Christ once doesn't mean that it's all, all good from here on out. No, no, no. He says you will be forgiven and you need to understand that if you sin again, guess what? We have an Advocate with the Father, an intercessor, a mediator, someone who's fighting on your behalf, someone who's presenting your case before the throne of God every day on your behalf to assure your eternal salvation. We have an advocate in Jesus Christ. And so he talks, kind of alludes to this whole process of, yeah, we're justified. But we're also sanctified daily as we go before him and we fall before him on our knees and we say, God, please today help me to live the kind of life that you want me to live. A sinless life. Help me to live a a perfect life. Help me to live out your purpose today. Kind of alludes to that here. We continue reading because we don't often read verse 2. We kind of always stop uh, with verse one there, chapter two, verse one. But verse two says, and he himself, that is Jesus Christ, is the propitiation for our sins. Now, what is that? Really? I mean, the first time I read that word, I was like, huh? Wait, I could hardly pronounce it. I can still hardly pronounce it. Propitiation, propitiation. What does that mean? Huh? Well, what in the world does that mean? I'm going to come back to that. Let's finish the verse. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. Whatever that word means, it has to be a good word, right? Because we've been reading how he comes in between us and our sins and he cleanses us for our sins. So whatever it is, it must be good. And not for our only, ours only, but also for the whole world. So what does the word propitiation mean? This is what it means, and I'm going to try and kind of simplify it as best I can to try and and have you grasp how beautiful this is. This is what this word means, is that he is the appeasement of our sins, and I'm going to use my word here, he satisfies the sin. Now let me explain that. What that means is, is that your sin, my sin, has a penalty. There's a penalty for your sin and my sin. What's that penalty? Death, all right? What this verse is telling us is, is that Jesus Christ fulfills or he appeases or he satisfies the debt that we have accrued. In other words, it is sufficient, For God, when he looks down on us and he sees the sin in our lives and then he sees what Jesus did, it is enough for God to say, because of what Jesus did, your sins are forgiven. He pays the price. He pays the price in full. So when we look at Jesus... We see in him not only a friend, not only a savior, not only a constant companion. We see someone who forgives. We see someone who is there constant by your side, helping you every step of the way. And when we sin, because we will, we come before God and we say, God, please forgive me. Christ, please forgive me. The Bible says that he is faithful. Faithful, that he is just and that he will forgive you. And that if you happen to sin again, guess what? Forgiveness is available again because we have an advocate before the Father who is battling on your behalf. He's fighting on your behalf. He's arguing your case and he is saying he is with me. I have paid for his sins. I have paid the price, the penalty for his past present, and future, because when God bought you, he didn't just buy the good in you. No, he bought the good, the bad, and the ugly. He bought it all. He bought everything. And in that relationship with him, he now makes himself responsible for the sin in your life. Responsible in the sense that he Paid for the sin in your life. Responsible in the sense that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he is convicting you of those sins and helping you and working with you to help you overcome those sins. But in Christ, when we see this beautiful picture of Jesus Christ, we see a God who is ready to forgive. So please, take advantage of this. Leave this place with the assurance that when you go before God and you ask for forgiveness, your sins will be forgiven. Don't allow the devil to guilt you into thinking, no, maybe not. Maybe you weren't sincere enough or you've committed that sin way too many times. Don't buy into that lie. If you confess your sins, if you come before God and say, God, I am yours, please forgive me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, he will forgive you. I remember hearing a cute little story about a woman who went to her pastor and said, Pastor, the strangest thing has been happening to me lately. She says, I've been having these real, like realistic visions. Like once a week, I have this vision where I go before Jesus and there he is, like right in front of me. Just like you're sitting in front of me, there he is. I mean, I hear him, I can touch him. I gotta admit, if any of you come to my office and say that, I might think you're a little bit weird, a little kooky, but maybe not. I mean, the Bible says that at the end of time, uh, men will have dreams and women will have visions. And anyways, the story goes where this woman comes before the pastor and says, I've been having these visions, and, and how, do, how can I tell if it's, if it's Christ? I mean, how can I tell if it's him? The pastor said, all right, well, let's, let's uh, come up with, with a test here. Pastor says, I got it. I want you to go next time you have this vision, and I want you to ask Jesus about a specific sin that I committed when I was in college. There is a sin that I committed in college that I only I know about. And so if you ask Jesus and he's able to tell you about that sin that I committed in college, then we know it's Jesus. And so they're okay, we'll do that. Well, the next week she came back. And she said, Pastor, I met with Jesus again. And there he was in front of me. And I asked him the question. I asked him, do you know of a particular sin that my pastor committed when he was in college? And Pastor, will you believe that I stumped Jesus? He just sat there and thought and thought. And he couldn't think of it. He just couldn't think of of what that might have been. And then the old lady says to the man, did you ever confess that sin? And the pastor says, well, of course I confessed it. Well, duh, no wonders. You confessed it. Therefore, he doesn't remember it. I'm telling you, when you come before God and you confess your sins before him, the Bible tells us that as far as the east is from the west, he tells us that he 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 puts the sins in the bottom of the ocean, in a pit. God isn't up there keeping account. God isn't up there just, oh man, this is a, a again. We're sinners. We're all sinners. We're all great sinners in need of a great savior. And that's exactly what we find in Jesus Christ. We find a great Savior who forgives you of your sins. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click the sermon audio link.